Snap back, hold down, kick is away, and it is good! It is good! And you can unhitch the wagon! Put the ponies in the bar! Gabe Burkett, a walk-off game-winning field goal to keep Oklahoma undefeated by the narrowest of margins. It may just be an emotional take, but for the first time, maybe ever, since I've been following Oklahoma football, playing for a field goal paid off. Toby Rowland on the call Saturday night telling us all about Gabe Burkich's game-winning field goal to keep the Sooners 4-0. and What's up, everybody? I am Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. It's Sunday morning. Apologies for not formulating an opening take today. I got home around 1 o'clock last night and got pretty much right into bed. Haven't watched back any of the game, so all of my thoughts are still somewhat fresh in my head and have not been moved or changed with the benefit of a rewatch, at least not yet. Joining me this morning, as always, somebody who's at least rewatched a little bit of the game and maybe all of the game. I don't know. We'll find out after having watched it sparingly last night on television. A man who had a bad feeling about last night's contest, a man who has way more influence over Oklahoma football, at least according to this podcast, than anybody else outside of the program. Of course, that man is Grant Benson. Thank you, Lee. I um, Yesterday was weird, man. Last night was weird. And uh, if you guys listen to this, uh, the midweek podcast here, you, uh, I sort of laid out all of the bad omens that are going into this game, and I didn't lay them out. I, I, I think it was just me, me calling Jarrett Dagey, Seth Dagey, for, I guess, <laughs> I, I did that on Monday and Wednesday. Um, but... I did not. I didn't realize this until I until I rewatched the broadcast of the game this morning. But Seth Dagey is Jarrett Dagey's younger brother, and Neil Brown was Texas Tech's offensive coordinator during that game as well. And so, like, there was just a lot. There was a lot working against them. And also, this one, this was, this is kind of an interesting nugget too, Lee. So I was at a wedding last night, and uh, one of my best friends getting married. And so I was in the wedding party and everything. It was it was a great time. It was a beautiful wedding, but. I had been at that wedding venue before. Um, it was at uh, it was at TPC uh, Minneapolis, which is in Blaine, Minnesota. It's a really nice place, but I was there five years ago on a Saturday night when OU lost to Ohio State at home, and so I didn't realize that until I actually got to the venue and I was like, "Oh, I've definitely been here before," and then it all started to just come f- come flooding back into my mind, and I was just like, "This is like." There are just far too many bad omens right now in the ether. And uh, I guess if you want to take a half glass full approach to all of this, they were able to overcome all of that and still win last night. And also, the very first game-winning field goal as the time expires in my living memory of being an OU football fan. That's never happened in the Stoops and Riley era. The first time that's ever happened. And the game notes said that it's believed to be the first time that's ever happened in program history. And granted, you know, you go back way, way, way at home, maybe years. because Von Shaman hit a game-winning field goal against Ohio State, like in the mid '70s, in the in but the horseshoe. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a walk-off, though. Oh, it, it wasn't as time expired. No, no, it wasn't. So that that that's why it's it, it's very specific and precise. What the game notes says it's believed to be because you know, again, Oklahoma football dates back. How long? I mean, over 100 years, more, way more. So, I mean, yeah, you never know. It's, it's tough with records back then. But my thing is all of those bad omens actually ended up leading to something that we've never seen before. So maybe that's what it all was. 
it was it was going to be that field goal thing that you and I were texting before it happened like play you got to go for the touchdown here stop playing for the field goal how many times has it burned you and I was thinking back to Army which Lincoln Riley referenced after the game and Texas from last year where Burkich had a chip shot very much like that one missed it went into overtime and maybe there's more that I'm just not thinking of that where they were playing for a field goal it, it didn't work out and granted Burkich has hit a couple important field goals. Iowa State, I believe, in 2019 or 18. Was that 2018? would have been Cyber, right? I mean, Baylor. I think you're talking about Baylor. Well, the ba- Baylor one, too. Yeah, Baylor in 2019. I feel like he hit, he hit one against Iowa State at some point. They didn't, they didn't kick a field goal against Iowa State in 2019. That game was 42 to 41. So it would have been 20. Was Burkich kicking in 2018? No. Is that Seibert still? That was still Seibert. So Seibert hit that one against Iowa State, then that made it a 10-point game late in the game that made it a two-possession game. So that was the other one where it was just kind of a big field goal. Uh, And by the way, not going to gloss over this because it's not a big deal. Uh, You just misspoke. You said that Seth Deggie is Jarrett Deggie's younger brother, which would be be a huge story. If Seth Deggie is younger than Jarrett Deggie, massive story that he was starting quarterback for Texas Tech like 10 years ago. My goodness. I'm just all over the Huge place. story. I am all over the place. I did misspeak. I misspoke a ton earlier this week. I was calling I was calling Dante Stills Darius Stills. It was <laughs> it was bad. It well, was that bad. was not as bad. I mean, they're brothers. They have they're both their names start with a D. They have the same last name. Uh, you know, I'm sure so many people have mixed us up. Probably not because we're not the teammates on a FBS football team. Back to that field goal though. I um. I can say though, I like I was I was watching that live on a TV. I was I was in like the locker room of the the place we were at watching it, and I actually I didn't have a bad feeling. I thought Burkers was going to make it, and typically in those situations, I I have pretty bad feelings. But for whatever reason, then I, I was pretty I was pretty confident he was going to make it. It was after the especially after the the face mask. It was just like okay, I think I think he's going to make this. Um, but yeah, I mean it's. All, like it's it's hard not to think of the army game, right? When it was just like when that was just so utterly predictable that Cybert was going to miss that after they played for the field goal. Yeah, and the worst part about it, the army game and then the Texas game, they were both easy field goals. I mean, we're talking thirty something yarders. I mean, low thirties for both of them. It's not like they were forty five, fifty yarders, and they were right down the middle, or at least they were exactly where the kicker wanted them, and they were both just shanked. And the way that game played out, and Riley said it after the, after the game, the final sequence, the defense gets a stop. Granted, they got a huge break with that bad snap, which we can talk about here in a little bit. But the defense gets a stop, gets the ball back to the offense. The offense drives the length of the field and then hands it over to the special team, so the kicker, to kick the game-winning field goal. And Riley said that's great to see all three phases there coming up big to win the game. And he's right. He's right. That's like the glass half-full thing you can take away from it because when Oklahoma needed it, they got it. So I want to go into just our, our main thoughts to get the ball rolling. I know we're talking about the field goal, and that's the, the obvious way to, get, you know, to start this podcast out because Gabe Burkich did a nice job. Good for him. He won the game. He's been great this year. The opening takeaways, and again, I'll reiterate that I have not rewatched the game yet, but not a whole lot of things have changed in my mind, I guess, since the Nebraska game. I mean, th- this game did not change it. I, this, this season, this team, it, it still feels to me like a, a big shoulder shrug emoji like yes I'm happy that Oklahoma's 4-0 that's a very good thing but I'm gonna sound like a broken record expectation wise and it's not 
it was not uh, ridiculous crimson colored glasses expectations of a fan going into this year this was a team that they were the trendy pick by a lot of national outlets to win the national championship I mean smart people that know college football were picking Oklahoma to be a national champion this year and it makes sense it made sense going into this season the way they looked at the end of last year the talent influx of the freshmen how excited we were about Mario Williams the young defensive backs coming in the defense was going into year three with Alex Grinch how much better can they be Nick Benito is so good that that front seven or the front four more specifically great all the expectations for this team were warranted well that's all out the window now I mean this is this team is is nowhere near as good as we thought they would be and so that is why it's just a giant shoulder shrug emoji. Yes, they are 4-0. That's great. Last night, Rattler, Riley, and I just listened to both of them. Multiple other people talked, but I just I wanted to hear the quarterback and I want to hear the coach. A theme is that, hey, we've overcome. We haven't played our best, but we found ways to win these games early this year. Last year, we didn't. Last year, we were 1-2, and 2-2. Two, two and two. This year, we found ways to win, and that is absolutely true. There's one difference, though. Last season did not have national championship-type preseason expectations. Last year going in was the first year of Spencer Rattler starting. First year starter, yeah, we all thought he was going to be great, five-star player, but it's still his first year. It's only year two of Alex Grinch. You got the pandemic. Everything is so weird. Yes, expectations for Oklahoma are always very high. Every year we want them to win the national championship, but it wasn't like going into 2021 where the rest of college football, and you pointed this out all the time, Grant, how – Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson and everybody was big teams like that were going through transitional periods with their quarterbacks and a lot of the defensive players in some ways too everything was lining up for Oklahoma going into this season not last season so while I do think that yes it's a good thing that maybe last year they wouldn't have won these games because they didn't last year and this year they are winning these games it doesn't do a whole lot for me because last season they weren't supposed to be one of the best teams in college football coming out of the gate in a top two team like they were this year. So it's great that Oklahoma is still undefeated and everything is still in front of them, as Lincoln Riley always likes to say, although he hasn't said that really at all this this year. It's more just to been, we got to get better, we got to get better, which makes sense. Everything's still in front of them, but until they start to play the way that we hoped that they would or thought they would be, it's going to just kind of be, for me at least, like, all right, well, let's see what happens this game. And, oh, great, they won. That's awesome. Maybe next week they're going to turn it on and figure it out. But as each game goes by and we kind of start seeing the same team over and over and over again, which we've seen kind of the same team in all three FBS games they played, at some point it's going to just be this is what they are. And I got more to add, but I'll, I'll shut up because I've been, I've been ranting a little bit. I'll let you – so so you can either respond to me or you can go into what your your thoughts are on this team and your takeaways from the game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear right now that the the wise thing to do just from a mental standpoint is to just completely detach any sort of expectations from the team. Take it week to week. You have to. Um, because I think like it, it always kind of seems like, you know, it's 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 one step forward and two steps back because, you know, you look at last night and of course, you know, the offense was bad last night. It, it was it just was not good. They only scored 16 points. Uh, the least amount of points they've scored in a win since I think I saw since they beat Arkansas in the Cotton Bowl after the end of the 2001 season. Uh, that's pretty crazy. That's that's insane. Um, but of course, you know the flip side of that is like, hey, that means their defense was good enough to win this game. And 
only allowing three and a half yards per play against a Power 5 conference team that has... West Virginia's got some weapons. They got some good receivers, even though they're painfully limited at quarterback. Uh, you like to see that. You know, I think if, if you tell any OU fan... Uh, who's been a fan of this team since 2015, since Lincoln Riley got here, that if their defense gave up three and a half yards per play, they'd probably guess that they're going to win that game by 30 or 40 points, probably. And, you know, outside of that first drive last night from, you know, from the defense, which was just utterly frustrating, so, so frustrating, um, West Virginia didn't really do much at all. They really struggled to move the ball after that. And the defense gave the offense multiple times in the first half of that game to just completely blow it open. And they and the offense wasn't able to do that. And so as I was watching, I was, you know, I was still at the wedding and I, I was still able to watch every single play of this game. Um, you know, I had to pause sometimes and then catch up. But, um, you know, I was ready watching it live to, to come on this podcast this morning and say, hey, you know, I don't want to be super aggressive about this and I want to be thoughtful about it. But a change needs to be thought about at this point in time. Um, and I was disappointed going back and watching it today that it's probably not that simple. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues. I still think the chief issue of the offense is the signal caller. Um, but it's, it's unfortunately not as simple as remove him and everything gets great again. Um, because it's like one of those games where it's just like, there was, there was enough, there was enough glitches on the offense that gave Spencer Rattler's performance cover. Uh, the offensive line was not good. The play calling wasn't good. Uh, OU only, only uh, Kennedy Brooks and, and Eric Gray had a combined 13 carries going into that last drive of the game. I understand they weren't having a lot of success running the ball. That's not acceptable. That's not good enough, especially when we have enough evidence to suggest that your quarterback is not really able to push it down the field. And this is not just a this season thing. This is a dating back to second half of last season thing where he's just not, he's not able to push it down the field. Um, and I think we're at the point right now where it's, is that just, is that something that is going to come, uh, with more experience? I think we're running out of time there because this was his 15th start in college. And if you're going to be a a, a dynamic quarterback at the college football level, man, it, it's, it doesn't take 15 starts. Give me an example of, of, of someone who they were just, kind of okay and middling and showed flashes for the, or for the first 15 starts and then just exploded and was great. I don't really think you can find anyone. Um, and so are you at the point right now where do you just accept what he is and try to, you know, try to craft the offense around those limitations? Because he has limitations, for sure. Um, or, you know, is, is there someone else who can come in and be more dynamic? I think that's the question that we have to ask ourselves right now. And you know what? I can't, I, before we got on the on the podcast, I was trying to go over with you. I said, "What do we know f- as a fact right now about this offense and this quarterback position?" We know it's a fact that Spencer Rattler is not a dynamic athlete, and we know it is a fact that Caleb Williams is. That may not mean much in those rooms. Um, Caleb Williams may not at all be ready to throw the ball in this offense. We don't know. That's why I can't just come out and say, you got to make a change right now. Um, But what I do know for an absolute fact is that Spencer Rattler is not a good athlete and it hinders the offense. I know that is a fact. Uh, So the, the lack of rushing attempts by Brooks and Gray going into what you said, the last, was it the last drive you said, or the last quarter, the last drive going into the very, with three and a half minutes left, those two had 13 combined carries. 
And so and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast. That doesn't bother me that much because, again, not rewatching the game. To me, it, it looked like West Virginia was doing exactly what we kind of figured they would. They were loading up against the run and forcing Spencer Rattler to beat them. And so if they would have given the ball, let's say, five more times to Gray and five more times to Brooks, I, who's to say they weren't just going to keep running into a brick wall? Because it would have been just obvious. I think you're one, one thing I did notice, though, is that when you're not handing them the ball, though, like they're 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 calling. This is what I brought up to you, and I think you sort of disagreed, maybe a little bit. But I said Lincoln Riley is operating on first and second down, like he has a dynamic signal caller on offense who can make all of the throws, and he can make all of the throws, but he can't at the same time. And I know that's wishy washy, but well, that's that's the thing. I mean, the, a great time to throw the football a lot of times is on first down. You know, and get, get ahead of and the I, change. I totally agree, yeah. and that's why I'm saying that's why I'm saying he's calling these plays under the assumption that he's getting dynamic play from the quarterback position, and he's not. Spencer Rattler has not shown at all in his career that he can he can take advantage of those matchups consistently. He can't. Uh, okay, so the the Caleb Williams stuff, and you know, we we can talk about that. I mean, I. For the first time ever, I was at the game and I had headphones in and I was listening to Toby Rowland's call. And so is in the second quarter after Rattler threw that interception that I guess the student section started chanting for Caleb Williams. Actually, I didn't hear it. Uh, and I had the, the guys I was with on the sideline, uh, Josh Calloway and uh, Dylan Buckingham were like, man, did you hear Did you hear them yelling that? And I said, oh, no kidding. And then later in the game uh, and at times just the entire crowd when the offense was sputtering. We're boo- you know, they were booing, and you know, so it wasn't just about Spencer. There's just about everything, whatever. So there was times where it wasn't just the student section; there were boos. And so after the game, Lincoln Riley was asked about all of that, you know, specifically the, the, the student section, Spencer Rattler. And so I wanted to play Lincoln Riley's thoughts on it. It's kind of long, uh, and and it's kind of interesting. And then I'll play Spencer Rattler as well, reacting to it because those are the two most important people I think to, to react to this, and then we can also react to their reaction. Yeah, it's college football, man. I mean, it's uh, listen when you when you have the expectations that we have here in this program and the expectations offensively. I, I mean, it's it's part of it. It's out of our control, you know. I, of course, we always you know it always helps us a lot more when our fan base supports us. I'll, I'll come out and say that I, I want to play better offensively more than anybody out there. But them being behind us is what helps. Um, Spencer handled it. It didn't bother him at all. And honestly. As I was evaluating it through the game, um, we got to play a lot better around him. Uh, he can do some things better. He did. A, I'll tell you what, he, he hung in there and really trusted it. The only pick he threw, we totally busted a route that was probably his best throw of the night. Um, so I, I know how it looks to the casual fan, uh, and I'm certainly not saying that Spencer can't play better. Um, he can. He will. Uh, but we got to play better around him, too. we got to coach better around him, and that's – we get it. Listen, that's – when offensive football doesn't work, they're going to look at the coach and they're going to look at the quarterback. I mean, that's that's since the beginning of uh, mankind. So uh, we understand that they're big boy roles, and uh, uh, but we do appreciate you know the support of the fan base. It was a great atmosphere in there tonight, and uh, I tell you what, Spencer and again the whole offense, we'll, we'll we'll own what we didn't do well. We're not going to shy away from that. I'll tell you what, it takes a lot of balls, all right, to do what we did there at the end. So people better see that too. Uh, okay, so I actually didn't. I thought that was a pretty good, pretty good bite by Riley. I thought he handled that pretty well because I had seen tweets since I, I didn't hear Lincoln after the game. I was doing work with News 9 and I had to get everything set up for Dean's live shot. So I, I, it's 
difficult for me to hear all the postgame sound when it happens live. And I saw some tweets, some comments. And to me, I texted you. I, th- I thought, you know what? Like Lincoln Riley and the players and, co- you know, they, they better be a little careful the way they word things if they're going to go after fans. And I listened to Lincoln Riley there, and I don't think he was going after the fans at all there. It, it kind of seemed like when I was reading tweets that maybe he had said some things about the fans. And I think that was pretty respectful. It was fair. It was fine. And uh, I had no problem with that, what Lincoln Riley said. Uh, now, the interception, okay, There's we, we talked about this before the podcast. He, he's going to back his guy, and I get it. And I think he's, he's you know, he, of course, he's, he's Lincoln Riley. I mean, he, he knows what the offense is, and he knows – more about offensive football than, than we would ever know. Uh, but, you know, you, you and I were talking about, you know, maybe it wasn't as simple as, you know, the bust on that play. But uh, as far as the interception goes, it's one of those things where if Spencer Rattler's balling out and throwing for 350 yards and averaging 10 yards per attempt and Oklahoma's getting explosive play after explosive play, you know, plays like that interception are kind of like whatever. It's not a big deal. It happens. But whenever the way, you know, he's dinking and dunking and – Every time he tries to take a shot, it's knocked away or it's incomplete or it's, it's inaccurate. And it just seems like pulling teeth just to pick up 15 yards where in the past it's been not that big of a deal. Then you're going to get people frustrated and you're going to get people calling for the backup quarterback and you're, you're going to get booze. So, Grant, what are your thoughts on Riley's comments? I thought the soundbite was mostly fine. Um, him talking about how they can't control that is is self-aware. That's correct. That's that's the right way to kind of look at that. Um, that picky through was not his best throw of the night. That's asinine. And I feel like when he goes back and rewatches it, he's going to feel the same way about it. That, that ball was thrown off of his back foot. That ball hung in the air forever. It had zero zip on it. That was not a good throw. And a, it was a poor decision, too. So that's that's just silly. Um, having that been said, I mean, yeah, I I, I guess. Like, it's... Sure, like I'll I'll give Rattler credit for those last two drives where he did he looks pretty good. He was in rhythm, um, but it absolutely begs the question: Why can't he look like that all the time? What's going on? Where's the disconnect there? Um, and I you know that's when we're going back to the fans too. Like I I'm glad that you bring up you know they should be really careful how they you know criticizing the fans or whatever because hey like. There's not a there's not real there's not a fan in the crowd there that's that knows more about what's going on than Lincoln Riley and probably Spencer Rattler, but OU fans know what a really good college offense look like looks like, and this ain't it, this isn't it, and so like just it's kind of watching that game last night they 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 barely could could gain 300 yards of offense they were struggling to move the ball for large portions of it the offense sucked last night you don't and like i said in the last podcast you don't need to be bill belichick to understand that and see that yeah and it's even um, more alarm and so but that's exactly but like it's and of course like there's there's a lot a lot of space there between saying the offense sucks and also there's clear there's clear answers for it on the roster if you just take advantage of it. I'm not ready to say that yet because we we don't know. It is it, it is possible that Kayla Williams comes in there and he just looks totally lost and totally overwhelmed. Um so like we, we don't know. We we don't know and that's I think that's part of the frustrating bit of it is that um I just man, I it's 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 definitely getting tougher. It's it's getting a lot tougher. Um I just because the reality of the situation right now is OU is getting Trevor Knight level quarterback play right now, 
And their quarterback's not even as good of an athlete as Trevor Knight. And I know that that sounds harsh, but it's 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 a lot closer to the truth than the opposite. So it's even more alarming because this is West Virginia. And yeah, we talked about how the defense was a lot better last season. Oklahoma didn't see them last year. And as far as we know this year, they're, you know, it's, it's a good defense. Again, it's an aggressive, it's a fast defense. And Spencer Rattler had never seen this West Virginia defense. And we pointed out all of the numbers Oklahoma's offense had uh, accumulated against West Virginia with Mayfield, Murray, and Hurts from 17, 18, and 19. And they're just gaudy. I mean, it's insane. I mean, it's over 10 yards per play, can seven-plus seven yards per rush, pushing the ball down the field, explosive play after explosive play. And the question was, well, again, Rattler's never seen this defense. Uh, history says that Oklahoma's offense works really well against this West Virginia scheme. And it's not like Neil Brown is brand new and they haven't seen a Neil Brown type defense. He was there in 2019 with Jalen Hurts. That the whole, you know, so uh, and then you see what we saw on Saturday and it was bad. It's under five yards per play, 4.9 yards per play. It makes you. Uh, it makes you yearn for those days, Grant, when Oklahoma's offense was racking up 5.8 yards per play against Tulane and Nebraska and getting more than two explosive, play two explosive plays in the entire game, Eric Gray and then Mike Woods early on in the uh, second, second half. It's, this is a, and the explosive plays thing, I mean, this is, a, this is a clear trend. It's still, we diagnosed it earlier, or earlier this past week. It is the main problem with the team right now is the lack of explosive plays. And I'm sorry, man. That's mostly on the shoulders of the quarterback. Historically, in this offense, I, I, I really think that's the case. And there was a, a series, I want to say, in the third quarter where Rattler was taking shots. I think it was back-to-back -back throws, maybe even three throws, where he took shots down the field, and it just it wasn't there. You know, one was he overthrew one of them. That was like the second one. The first one was tipped or knocked away. It was the other way around. Other way around. The first one was tipped. And yeah. hey, it was it would have taken a great throw. You know, and and the, like if Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray were the quarterback there, that would have been a touchdown to Mike Woods both times. I don't but that's not that's not a normal level. It would have taken a extremely special throw to throw him more open there cuz he did have a step. Woods did. Um and and Drake Stoops had a step and he was open and that would have taken another spectacular throw. So I, I like I'm I'm willing to sort of give him a break for those just because they they would have been uncommonly great throws both of them. Um, but it's just like it's it's just one more or at least two more reminders of just what uh, the oomph that they're missing from that position. It's just he's he's just he's not making that that play that needs to be made. Um, and maybe it is, maybe it's it's unfair to to take those two plays as an example, but it just kind of seems like a microcosm to me. And so, what's the? I guess the the one to Drake Stoops. I, I think I don't know if there's anybody over the top on that one, but the, the other one there's people over the top. And so the thing is, is there's over the top, but Woods Woods had to slow okay. down big time to stop. He had a step. If if he if he would have been able to lead him so that he was still going full speed. He could have he, he could have got him for sure. The point I was going to make, though, is that there are times in the game. I know there are times that it happened against Nebraska. I saw at least once and I'm sure it happened more than once against uh, West Virginia just being up top because I second half I was up top and I was texting you. And this is late in the game whenever it's high leverage and you can't you know, you can't have any mistakes. But also it's a situation where a quarterback that is who we think Rattler is or can be 
should see single coverage with no safety help with with either Mike Woods or Jaden Hayeswood and get really excited and think this is going to be fun and take shots or take advantage of that cornerback on an island, which I saw a couple of times, third and one before Oklahoma called timeout. I believe it was Jaden Hazelwood against a corner on an island with no safety over the top. And I, I get that it's a tie game. You're, you're trying to make sure that you don't make a mistake and throw a pick or whatever. But, man, that's, that's awesome football. One-on-one, you got Jaden Hazelwood, a five-star guy, and he's up against a corner who's on an island. You can get that guy open. He can get open. Uh, there was another time later in that drive where they were eight to ten yards off the ball of, I can't remember if it was Hazelwood or Woods. And that situation where, oh, you're going to give me that throw? Okay, I'll take that throw with no safety help, and maybe he breaks a tackle and scores. Stuff like that where there are the defense is showing you opportunities to make plays, Oklahoma seemingly is not taking advantage of that at all. And that just goes back to what I was saying last week. I don't think Spencer is seeing it. I think he's thinking too much. And I don't know if Lincoln Riley is allowing him to to make these ad-lib type plays pre-snap. I don't know if he really ever did, to be honest with you. Who knows? That's not really part of his game. I know Baker Mayfield and, and Kyler Murray had a lot of leash to do things, and I don't know how much Jalen Hurts did, but it just doesn't – it seems like uh, – I'll take an old Colin Cowherd thing that he said years ago. It seems like Lincoln Riley is babysitting Spencer Rattler with some of the play calling and, and some of the throws, and Rattler's and he's so not confident in himself – that he's taking the check down easy type throws, the slants, where if he lets the play develop more, stays in the pocket more, maybe those big plays develop and they're more open. And he just continually, it's a mixture of him not seeing it and defenses doing the same thing and taking things away and him not being able to adjust to it. And it's it's alarming and it's it's shocking to me. It really is. I This guy looks so different for the most part to me last season. And now we're seeing him look a lot like he did against Baylor most of the time last year. And at times against Kansas, where he was kind of like didn't really care about Kansas and didn't play very well. He's had he's had more games in his career now that he's looked like that. See, I, I have to go back the, to the, the game log to see because I, I don't know if that's true. I I don't know if that's true, but you're saying that that that's fine. I, I'll have to go do the research on that. I I do want to play him because we we got to get going here pretty soon. We started pretty late. We apologize for that. I do want to play Spencer Rattler last night. Uh, he was asked by Eric Bailey about the fans and. And his, his thoughts about that. And then you're going to hear Cliff Brunt from the AP with a follow-up question as well. Yeah, I mean, we kind of just lock in on what we got to lock in on. I don't really, like, you know, know what – I don't care, like, what they yeah. are saying. or We don't care. We don't we – don't, it doesn't matter to us. Yeah. We're, we're out here to win a game. They're in the stands. We all heard it. I mean, how do you deal with that in the moment? You just got to deal with it. I really don't know why they were doing it, but I mean. So I think that was another example of what you brought up earlier this week when we played Rattler, where he had a little bit of emotion and then kind of got back. But that was more. Emo- I mean, he he's he says he's not bothered by it. He clearly is. Uh, you, you don't you don't say something like we're out on the field playing there in the stands if you're if you're not bothered by it. Uh, and then the last thing about I, you know, saying he doesn't know why they're doing Yes, of course you know why they're doing it, man. You're not playing the way that you think you, could, you can play and the way that we've seen you play, and you've, he's acknowledged it before. And so here's the thing, man. Like, this – he's got to take this, and he's got to shove it into everybody's face. He's got to prove everybody that they are wrong. That This is why uh, I don't have a whole – 
a lot of problem with the chance for Caleb Williams. I don't have a whole lot of problem with the booing. And I know that it's popular to come out and say, ah, that's not classy by Oklahoma's fans. That's not. I've had a little bit of time to think about this. I, I don't care. It's, it's not a, I don't have a problem because if you're in Spencer Rattler's shoes and you're an adult, you're a college kid, he's, I think he's 21. When you're 21, you don't know things, and I get that. But when you're 21, you're an adult. And I would have expected to be treated like one if I was a college athlete. So here's the thing. It's on you to prove all the people that were yelling for Caleb Williams and all the people that were booing that we, and I say we as in the fan base and people that were in the crowd, that we don't know what we're talking about, that we're dumb, we're wrong about this, and you were right. The problem is whenever you continue to accumulate 4.9 yards per play and your yards per attempt average is going to go down from 7.6 this year to like 7.3 or 7.4, and the offense scores 16 points, that's going to fuel the fire of the criticism. And so that's why I don't have a problem with the booze and stuff. I don't. And I'm not even going to throw in the whole part about NIL being a thing now because I know that's a big thing is like, okay, now these guys in different ways are getting money for their likeness and stuff like that. Sure. And who knows? Maybe that actually has a huge effect not just on Oklahoma but the entirety of college football because of all of these weird happenings we've seen with Clemson who – can't move the ball either I mean Oklahoma's bad on offense right now Clemson's even worse uh you know Ohio State has a loss I mean North Carolina can't score they just lost to Georgia Tech Georgia Tech is not a very good football team so yeah six six top 25 teams lost yesterday um and so I I I I think that is valuable to bring up that hey I mean there's a lot of chaos happening in college football and hey they it almost swallowed them up yesterday and they were able to kind of get out on the other end I'm very grateful of that Obviously, I've I've been around long enough to know that that is good, that you know, they they can get better. This is a thing that can be that the, the ship can be righted. It's just like I, I kind of wish that you were hearing the stuff that you wanted to hear out of that out of that camp. And um, I guess yeah, you're it's it, the criticism and all that clearly bothers Spencer Rattler. I, I mean, it's and I guess like I understand that from a human level, but it's just. Oh, it's it's really frustrating. It's like, dude, you you control your own destiny, man. Like, if you want to get better, you control that. And I just, you know, it's and like, yeah, the the NIL stuff. We don't know. It's like I I think it's generally irresponsible to try to dig into somebody's head, um, and try to you know try to parse out their their motivations based on just guessing of what's going on in their brain. But geez, man, I mean, like. With the NIL stuff, you're you're opening yourself up for that level of criticism. Like when it's when it so clearly bothers you, dude, you're making way more money than everyone who was booing. That this is part of the show. This is it. Like, yeah, and that's and that's the that's the point. I mean, the, the NIL thing is a classic example of yes, go for it, do it, do whatever you got to do. The thing is, with that comes the idea, and the and the and you have to you know acknowledge and know that you are like you said you're opening yourself up to maybe more criticism if you don't play well than you would have gotten in the past. And that just comes with it. I mean, that professional athletes get criticized all the time. And I mean, so do college athletes, but you know, historically not quite as much because there's the idea of like, oh, they're just amateurs, they're in college, they're kids, blah blah blah. And I okay, that's fine. I I've always been one where like, yeah, criticize college kids. So what? They're adults. It adversity's not a bad thing. If if they're 
you know, th- like you said, they have control over it. They can get better. They can they can play better. Like now, unfair criticism. I don't like that. I don't like whenever it's just off the wall and maybe you're attacking people and it's unfair. I mean, everything we're saying, we're criticizing. It's all about on the field, on the field, and then then we we play sound and it. it we, we we're concerned that maybe he, you know, maybe Spencer Rattler isn't quite grasping the the gravity of the situation. Who knows? Uh, but it, it's it's up to him and. I have no problem, again, with the pushback because adversity is a lot of times a good thing. And this guy can do it. I still think he's really talented. It's so bizarre to me that he's playing this way because, again, I'll go back and look at last year's games because I I think I graded certain games maybe different than you. But I I thought he, for the most part, with the exception of maybe two or three games in 2020, was really good most of the time. And, you know, and this year it's been kind of like he's been fine – to potentially, potentially below average from especially what we expect from Oklahoma quarterback. Uh, he's been he's been a game manager for the most part. And yeah, yeah. and like I just based off based off what he's shown going into this game, I think it's I think it's hard for people to understand how easy it was for West Virginia to defend him on Saturday night. Um, just how how predictable it is when his mechanics are going to break down, what positions you have to put him in to do so. Um, the fact that he stares down receivers, he makes his decision pre-snap where he's going to go. He is there is not a single defender on West Virginia's starting defense that he can outrun. Not a single one of them. That at no point in time were they worried about his ability to run the ball. Uh, it's just that's a problem, man. That's a big problem. Uh, yeah. God, what was I going to say? I had something. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say. Something about him being a game manager. Maybe. Also, West Virginia's defensive line is really good. Is really good. Oh, that's yeah. um, no, they are. And and that's Riley said after the game that was the the two best units on the field was West Virginia's D line and Oklahoma's D line, and both of them played well. I think it's. I think there's a non-zero chance that that's you know until they get out of Big Twelve play, that's that's going to be the most talented defense they see. I, I would guess. Um, I, I mean, it's heck. it's it's up in the air. That's that's going to be we'll one see. of them I mean, for sure. Baylor Baylor's got a good defense. Baylor. Dave Aranda knows how to play against OU. I mean, Iowa State's still Iowa State. They just lost to Baylor. I mean, at least Oklahoma's not Iowa State right now. All those expectations, expectations they Iowa had. State, Iowa State being 2-2 two and two is so Yeah, delicious. you've nailed it. You've absolutely nailed Iowa State so far this year. Good on you. You, you did a great job. The last thing I, I do want to... They are who they are. I mean... They are who uh, they are. The thing I was going to say about Spencer that I just remembered is that was a game going into the game. We talked about it during the week. He talked about how he thought Oklahoma's game plan going against West Virginia was really good. It was a great game plan. He was excited about the game plan, and that's that's what we saw. Uh, 4.9 yards per play, barely 300 yards of offense, 16 points. That ain't good, man. That ain't good whenever you're really excited about a game plan, and that's what we see. And he did acknowledge and say that West Virginia did some things a little different than they had seen on tape. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, was everything different? Probably not. It's, it's their scheme. That's what they do. And Oklahoma has had success against that type of defense a lot over the years. Did not, for the most part, against West Virginia on Saturday until the final drive when Oklahoma needed it the most. And yes, hats off to you. Good job there by Oklahoma's offense. Rattler was very good late in the game. I think he completed something like his last eight or nine balls. He hit stoops down there late. Yes, he made plays when it mattered the most. All we're asking, all we're wanting is for him to make more consistent plays to where Oklahoma is not in that position at the end of the game, where they aren't there. And, you know, maybe this is one of those things where, you know, you never want a team to peak too early, and they certainly aren't peaking now. And it's a cliche, but 
this stuff could help them down the line if somehow they do figure it out and it starts to click and those explosive plays come back and Spencer Rattler starts to play a little bit more free and it starts to open up and he starts to see it more like he did for the majority of 2020 in my ex- uh, estimation. Yeah, I mean, I guess if, if you want to go from, you know, from that standpoint, I, I got it like four weeks to the season. Georgia has really been the only exceptional team up to this point. Everyone else has shown pretty great, huge flaws. Um, I mean, even even Georgia couldn't score against Clemson and Clemson may be kind of bad. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Um, I just, I, man, is what are the chances that this is that OU is about to have like a 2002 Ohio State season? It just it just kind of sucks that it's like it kind of feels like that's what we have to hang our hat on. Oh, I just hope it's one of those years where they just fly by the seat of their pants and and somehow it just all works out. But that's is that the year? I that's the year know. where they that's, beat Miami. I'm just I'm not really seeing. Is that, that the year where they beat Miami and they they weren't yeah. dominant by yeah. any stretch of the imagination? No, they they struggled to score. They played a ton of close games in Big Ten play. Heck, I mean, if if number number eight gets here. Uh, Surely anybody here in this fan base and on this podcast will take it any way they can get it. And that would be an incredible coaching job, let me tell you, if, if that could happen. Because right now, uh, you know, national championship sounds ridiculous, obviously. Uh, Heisman Trophy, no, no chance unless Spencer Rattler all of a sudden just starts dominating for the rest of the game. No, rest no, of the no, 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 not, no. Like, he's, not even, he's not even the best quarterback in the Big 12. So, yeah, all that stuff, it, it's still ahead of him, though. Uh, at least, I mean, Big 12 titles, championships, things like that. And that's the most important thing. Unfortunately, we don't have time to get to three-word reviews. we got to get going. Here's what we'll do. The start of next podcast, at the very beginning of it, we'll do some three-word reviews so we don't leave you guys out because we got a good amount of them after that game. We got started late tonight and uh, late this morning, r- rather. And also, defense, didn't talk much about the defense in this podcast. They played well. Uh, only, like you said, three and a half yards per play. Letty Brown was held in check for the most part. Uh, four of 14 on third down. And I guess after the first series did not convert any third downs the rest of the game, which is very good. Uh, the only problem, the only thing that well, that's part of concern is West Virginia's offense did exactly what we figured they would do. They found a way to neutralize Oklahoma's defensive line. Only five tackles for loss, only one sack. Granted, Oklahoma, again, the numbers are great. So I guess it worked. Uh more high-powered offenses, will that work? I guess we'll see. We will see. But West Virginia's offense is fine. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a world beater, but it, it's been good. I don't think it's very good. I, I think they're, they're really limited at quarterback. Jared Day is not good. Um, and they clearly don't. They, we would have seen Garrett Green a lot more if they trusted him to throw the ball. So um, I think I, West Virginia's got – Letty Brown is a nice player, and I think they got a pretty good stable of wide receivers – I just got anybody who can get him the ball consistently down the field. Um, I, you know, I thought I thought OU's defense was good for the most part. That first drive was really frustrating. Um, I thought, you know, there was a couple guys. I thought the secondary for the most part played pretty well. Uh, guys, I thought had a good game by my eyes were Billy Bowman. Uh, I thought I thought Pat Fields and DTY were both pretty good. And I know DTY got kind of banged up at times. Um, line, some of the linebackers. Flashed. I thought Deshaun White was was pretty okay. Was was pretty decent. Um, a guy that we're going to see a lot more of, presumably with with Jalen Redmond now being out for a month or so, is Corey Roberson. Corey Roberson's good, man. Um, I think we're we're probably going to see a lot of him moving forward. I would think paired up with Winfrey and Thomas and all of that. And of course, you know Reggie Grimes has already been really good. So 
Um, I, I I think the defense, and I'm hoping the defense is going to get better. They after that first drive last night, they were they were pretty nails the entire game, and I think that's uh, that's one of the things, man. Averaging three and a half yards per play. And any other OU season, we're thinking, oh crap, man, we're about to win that game fifty-two to seven or something like that. Um, and if you know, if OU was more dynamic on offense, like they have been basically every other year Riley's been here, they they would have maybe been able to put that game away in the first half, just with how with because the, the defense gave them ample opportunity to do so. And so that that part is is uh, is frustrating, but I just yeah, it's like it reaches a certain point where it's just like yeah, it's frustrating, but. How how long do you want to dwell on it, and how long do you want it to make you know? How long do you want that to make you miserable? When you should probably just move on and say, "Hey, next week is next week. Hopefully they they're better next week." Although it's probably going to be pretty uh pretty a lot of what we've already seen so far. All right, yeah, and uh, it's it's not a not a thing about feeling bad or miserable. It's just it's just identifying things that could potentially hurt them in the future. That's that's all we're doing here. That's all like hey, here's potential red flag it's it's not we're going to dwell on anything it's like will they figure it out will they try to correct it and prevent other teams from using things against them to beat them down the line because right now the margin of error on Oklahoma football is razor thin absolutely razor thin I will say though I think that is that's the best group of receivers they're going to play the rest of the season I think um I maybe maybe Texas Tech has some guys I mean they just got absolutely smoked by Texas um Maybe Texas has some decent pass catchers, but uh, in terms of like a stable, I think that's probably the best receiving core that they're going to see the rest of the year. That doesn't have to mean anything. It's just as an aside. We're doing asides. I'll add, I watched the first quarter or so of that Texas game, and this is the first time I've really ever watched Casey Thompson play. And it's, it was, I mean, it's Texas Tech. So maybe Texas Tech is just absolutely downright atrocious, and every quarterback's going to look that way against Texas Tech. Maybe, I don't know. But he just looks so much more comfortable in the pocket and with his mechanics than, than Rattler has all year, all season long. And, again, that's Texas Tech. It's one game. But just mechanically, he moves up in the pocket. He, he looks downfield. He feels pressure. He doesn't just eject immediately. And he was putting the ball where it needed to be. He has a good arm. He, he looked really good. So I was texting you. I'm not like I didn't see the Arkansas game. I haven't seen Hudson Card play one snap. I have no idea what Hudson Card looks like. So maybe he looks good too. I don't know. But man, like just watching that one Casey Thompson, you know, game, like, it makes me think like, how is this guy not the starter? He just looks so much more comfortable. But then again, maybe Hudson Card looked that way too. And then Arkansas, clearly, Arkansas is a good football team. I mean, they just they beat Texas A and M. So uh, you know that that loss, it was a blowout loss, but it, it doesn't look necessarily as bad for Texas as it did maybe before because Arkansas is a lot better than maybe people think. Uh, so anyway, I just I want to throw that aside. Texas in. A&M is arguably, with their backup, A&M sucks with their backup quarterback. Like, they're not, they're not an imposing team whatsoever on offense. Gotcha. All right, well, that's all we have for this episode. We'll be back later in the week to talk about Kansas State. Uh, until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.